One thing that I am incredibly fascinated by is people, the human psyche, psychology, all that good stuff. You know, why do people do what they do? What motivates, what compels people, that kind of thing. I've been so excited about this kind of thing. So you know what? Today we are going to nerd out on it. Let's rock it. goodness. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. I am hanging out today with Elijah Zupanchik and he is awesome. So we met through the Red Hat X podcast. He works for Nginx and he loves psychology. He was telling me all about it. He gets into that kind of stuff. He's got a passion for so many different things like psychology, uh, existential dilemmas, group dynamics, so many things. So exciting. So I just get excited to chat with people about this. And as I mentioned, it's something that I nerd out about. And so I want to bring on Elijah and have some fun. So you ready to rock this? Let's do this. Elijah, welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm so glad you're actually here with me on my show this time. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's fun. So as I mentioned, we connected through the Red Hat X podcast. And sometimes I get these little snippets from people who are saying, you know, I'm nerding out on this. And I'm like, ooh, (laughs) let's let's take that conversation over to the real Brian show and let's have some fun. So yeah, I appreciate you joining me. So tell me, you know, a little bit, tell us about yourself. Nobody knows you really. Uh, Well, I'm sure some people know you, but not everybody. So tell us about yourself Uh, and what you do. And we'll start with that. I'm not not sure I know me. (laughs) That's... (laughs) <laughs> wasn't that in the matrix know thyself you know or well anyway <laughs> well, don't believe everything you think right? yeah exactly um, i've been in engineering in some form computer programming gosh well over 20 years um at this point it just seems like you know some label on an id card either my identity or not my identity i can't tell at this point we've run the gamut from different companies small to big lots of dysfunction uh, a f- few gems of function in there in terms of management and good culture that I've experienced over the years. Um, you know, so much to talk about in the professional world and the unprofessional world. Um, gosh, you know, I've been, uh, I speak Japanese fluently. I oh, don't nice. know if I mentioned that. Um, that's what I got I my major in, to me. in college. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um I'm an active uh, practicing uh, Zen Buddhist in the Rinzai sect. Okay. Just a lot of different random experience and background. Let's start with Japanese culture. We'll start. I've got a, sure. I've got a lot of things we can get into, you know, but Japanese culture is kind of fascinating to me. I, I've always liked it, but then um, this was back. Do you remember, did you ever watch the Highlander TV show series? Yes, I did. You did. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad someone. So the episode, the samurai, uh, okay. I think it was season three, actually. This is, this is nerdy, man. Um, anyway, I loved that episode. You know, it's where it's where he gets a sword, you know, um, the, the actual dragon's head sword, you know, so that was always one of those things that I just got. Anyway, so I was in high school when I was watching this and I had a, a teacher that had spent seven years in high school and he came over and he was doing an Asian studies course, but mm-hmm. he spent seven years in Japan. And so I asked him to watch this episode and I said, how accurate is this? You know, is this actually, and he was kind of like, you know, it's a lot more accurate than you might think. It's kind of cool. And so he was talking about, anyway, we went into that stuff, but that's what I think really got me first excited about Japanese culture. And then later on, I got really excited about Chinese and Taiwanese culture. And so, you know, it's just been this whole gamut. And so I actually uh, had a privilege of, of, I'm, I'm a terrible teacher, but teaching this girl from Japan, how to play the piano, how to get better at piano and stuff like that. Uh, and so it, she was teaching me some Japanese, but that's been a long time ago. I mean, I, I know I remember a few phrases and stuff, but so how did you get into Japanese 
how did you get into that? Like what, what motivated, what, what started this whole origin yeah. of interest? I mean, probably the first thing was, is I had family in Japan. My aunt married a Japanese man and lived in Yokohama and my cousin was born. And so I had kind of a family connection there. Yeah. Um, and so I was in community college many, many years ago and I, you know, had to take a language, had to take a second language. So I was like, okay, I got family there. So I'm going to learn Japanese. Um, as time went on though, like it provided a, the more I studied the language, it really provided a mirror, uh, for me to look at myself, my own assumptions about culture, language, how humans interact with each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, that was so appealing. Mm. Uh, in fact, I ended up rejecting going into computer science, um, Side note is I paid for college and my whole degree doing programming all the way through, but I didn't end up going into computer science. And um, I, I considered psychology, but I also ended up not doing that and uh, deciding to do Japanese. It was like a total gamble. It was like I was at the roulette wheel and like, you know, I slapped down all my money on, you know, 24. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do it. Um no sense of being able to get a livelihood or anything from that, but it completely changed my life and hmm. opened up the world to me. See, that's interesting. And that's something I was, I was going to ask though, is being a part of that culture, you know, op there's so many things I think that, uh, especially in America, you know, if you've never been out of the country, to me, it's a very sheltered, isolated view on, on the world and culture and people and that kind of thing. And I've noticed that too, just even uh, traveling to Taiwan twice and um, just additional countries and stuff, you really get to see, you're like, wow, people, hmm, this is cool. This is neat. You know, these people are very different. They're more, at least in Taiwan anyway, for example, they were very hospitable, very giving, very respectful. Um, and it was just kind of fun learning about the different cultures and stuff like that. But it really opened your eyes to, wow, we're, we just don't even know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much that people just take for reality. Yeah. It's just culture. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I don't want to say culture isn't reality, but it's somewhat, you know, just an arbitrary flavor that you got from your environment. Yeah. You know, like individualism, we really take that for granted here in the U.S. Yeah. Me, I'm important. My rights, you know, I Personal can space. be spread out, take yeah. over. Um but we don't get collectivism well. No. And most of Asia is about collectivism. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, I was just talking with my wife about this. Yes, I'm an extrovert, so I know that this definitely influences this desire. But, you know, I love people. I'm a social person. But I have also come to understand throughout my life the value of living life together, having that community whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, that honestly doesn't matter. The whole point is you're living life together. And if there's one thing, one big trend that I've seen, especially over the last, I'm going to say at least five to 10 years. And now, especially, you know, because of COVID and all that is people are not doing that. They're not living life together. They're, they're isolating, they're individualistic, you know, we're quote too busy to get together. You know, you're lucky to see people four times a year, um, you try to connect with people and, and they're too busy, you know, Oh, don't, don't bother me with your texts and I don't have time for your phone calls. It's amazing to me though, how prevalent that's becoming. 
Uh, and it, I don't think it's healthy at all. I think it's incredibly oh. unhealthy. I think it's incredibly destructive, actually, to people. Regard again, regardless of whether you're an extrovert or introvert. Um, but you're right about that in the Asian cultures. Is there's a lot more of that community, I think, than we see here. Yeah, they use. Um, there's a word that's used more commonly in Chinese and Japanese that just sounds corny and old-fashioned to us, and that's harmony. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We like. How often do we talk about harmony with each other? And can we speak about it seriously without it being some sort of joke or, yeah. you know, something about, oh, those old fashioned people at the Elks Club, whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, you know, harmony is important in yeah. a social situation. And right now, like, as you say, we have an epidemic of loneliness. Oh, um, oh yeah. I volunteer on the crisis line and I'm there listening to people every week and mm. people are so lonely so disconnected and you know just desperate for someone to listen kind words yeah. um it is so right well, now so i have friends that? that i set up on a schedule on a call like every week i make yeah. sure i call them at this time otherwise it just won't happen yeah that's true you're right it's the whole we we should schedule a time to get together or talk you know sometime i, I always love that we should schedule this sometime which means never so, yeah, I'm always no, like, all right, what day, what time? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so why do you think people are so lonely? I mean, I know I've got my theories, but I'm curious about your perspective. Why Why do you think people are so lonely right now? I mean, there's all these books going that have theories about it. I mean, like there's one called Bowling Alone, which I think was the seminal work on this. But um, personally, what I think is we're at an inflection point where there's a change in value systems in uh, this culture. Um, you know, people are not believing in the things they once did in the past. Yeah. Yet that's true. We don't have an image of what is the new thing to believe in. Hmm. Right. So these kind of collective values and images about who to be, you know, they're falling apart. And so people are cast adrift. They're like, I have all this freedom, but I don't know what to do with it. I don't know hmm. what to be in this freedom. Yeah. People, you know, go to entertainment, yeah. you know, solitary activities that just kind of remove any sort of discomfort from having to face just the loneliness of their existence, you know, especially, you know, you throw in the existential angst in there and it becomes yeah. pretty bleak for a lot of folks. Yeah. Do you see people, you know, cause I know, um, especially I know single people have this issue with, with loneliness, but do you see this in families too, you know, where, People are married. They've got kids. You know, they got people all around them at all times. Are they still lonely? Yeah, I hear that. And sometimes the expression is different than lone. Like they, maybe people might not use the word loneliness, mm-hmm. but they'll be like, no one understands what mm-hmm. I'm going through. Okay. Yeah, I'm in this alone, right? Um, if you ask, are you feeling lonely? Some people will agree and others will be like, well, I got people all around me all the time. I want to be alone. And then the next sentence is, you know, no one understands. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So they feel they're still feeling alone, just in a different way. Yeah. Alone in a crowd, if you know the expression. Yep. Right. Interesting. You know, you don't feel like anybody shares your heart, so to speak. Right. That yeah. you have this harmony with others, yet you're you know, bodies in proximity to other bodies. Yeah. Are you finding people 
to have different reasons for this? You know, every time you talk to somebody, there's a different reason for this. Or are you finding there's some sort of a commonality with these people as to why they don't feel understood or whatever? There's a lot. There's a lot going on, both individually and collectively. Um, You know, probably money is Mm. number one. I mean, just the economics when, you know, people's supports all fall apart. Yeah. I mean, you know, every last thing to rely on fall apart and people just don't know what to do. Um, In particular, you throw in some difficult mental illness issues, um, chronic anxiety, CPTSD, Mm -hmm. depression, or even people who just grew up with a difficult personality, right? And, um, you know, then they don't have the good relationships with others that become part of a support network. So when people lose their job or get evicted, it becomes pretty bleak. Mm. Interesting. What have you found to be the solution? I mean, is it just being a listening ear and, you know, kind words sort of thing? Or or have there been other methods that you're finding to work to help these people get out of this? Well, you know, on the crisis line, it's very well defined about the boundaries and how you're helping, right? Mm-hmm. Your role there is really as an emotional first responder. And it is to provide empathy, listen, assess for the danger for like, you know, suicidal ideation or homicidal ideation and um, connect people to resources and really help them feel heard and get through the next hour or the night and try to connect them with long-term support. So it's a very Mm -hmm. targeted thing. And it's not like you're a therapist or anything like that. Um, Granted, I want to do so much more for these folks, but that's the context you, you work in. Sure. No, I know. And I'm, I mean, it's so, uh, you know, interesting. It's just interesting how we've been talking about mental health too recently, you know, because uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a pediatric neurologist right now. He's in his residency, actually. Um, and so he's been working with mental health as well. And, and so I was asking him, I said, you know, we're hearing more about mental health now than we've ever heard. You know, why is that? And his thing was, well, one is we're finding that, you know, we're just more open to it. And so we're being more Like, it's okay if you have mental health issues. And so people are saying, oh, thank God. Okay, now I can, you know, I can share them finally. I can talk about them rather than, you know, holding it in because they were outcasts or whatever. So that's part of it. And he was saying that, you know, he's he's seeing a lot of anxiety and other issues. You know, uh, social media is obviously a huge issue for people, you know, causing that level of stress and stuff. And we're comparing. There was a lot. I mean, he went on for a while. But so we are seeing, according to him, we're seeing more mental health issues and we're also seeing people now finally being open about it, which is why it's becoming such a hot topic too. And that's good. So it was interesting though, cause then I was saying, well, you've got your very serious mental health issues. Like, you know, you're, you're dealing with on the crisis line and then you've got people who are, well, let's just say you've got everyone else who's still dealing, you know, with mental health issues some way or another, we all have something that we are dealing with or have dealt with or will deal with, you know? And so it's a matter of how do we, you know, be of service? How do we help? How do we encourage? Cause you can't do it alone. No, no, it's, and there's just so many things interplaying with each other. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, to say, you know, it's social media is causing the epidemic of anxiety is just too simplistic. 
In oh, fact, yeah, yeah. like every serious problem, there's probably like well over nine factors all interplaying with each other. Sure. Um, you know, anxiety seems to be the number one issue I hear just over and over in my own yeah. social network, my professional network, and on the crisis line. People are feeling anxious. I mean, like, yeah. Um, in a total panic and, you know, for good reason in many ways, when you look at the world and, you know, the state of the environment, climate change, global conflict, people's own lives, um, it's all very unstable. You know, human beings have definitely suffered a lot in the course of their existence and at different times. Yeah. In that brief period, you got a sense of self, um, People for the last, what, 120,000 years have had to deal with that anxiety of very awful situations. Mm -hmm. um, it's wonderful we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, one huge theory I have, and I don't know how simplistic or complicated this is, but this this is my experience. So I would assume that it does affect others too, but you know, we'll see. I feel like that the more we know is not always better. Because, you know, there vector. I was just talking about this. So um, there are things that we can know and that we can actively do something about right now. You know, we can participate in it. We can support it. We can give money to it, whatever. Right. Then there's other things that we have absolutely no control over. We have no like there's literally all we can do is sit here and freak out about it and, and worry about it and stuff. And I feel like with the way that the media has gone, I, I wasn't actually, you know, news media it was one of my first parts of the career. I was in public relations and into that. And I got out of it because of, I could not align myself with what they were doing to humanity. And I was like, Nope. Um, and I just, I, I won't be a part of that. So the news media is destructive. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it's good, but most of the time it is not, you know, and, and, and they, they talk about too much and it's always focused on the, the negative and you know, whatever. And then there's the, you know, for example, uh, we were talking about a movie. So there's, what is it? The day, oh gosh, the, the, the day after I think was what it was called. And then of course there's threads and it's all about world war three and how world war three would affect us. And I, you know, we were kind of like, okay, this is, I, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to fill my brain with this because now I can't unsee it. I can't not think about it now. And I said, this is, this is the kind of movie that should be for people who make decisions Somehow, whatever influence they may have as to whether or not the, the world is going to World War III, this movie is for them. And apparently it actually was. And so I thought, really? okay, perfect. That, that's great. But the, why are the rest of us watching this? Because all we're going to do now is go, oh my, this is horrible now. I'm depressed, you know? So I just feel like there's, I've started to get, in fact, uh, one, one of our, our friends used to jump on the show once in a while. She said, you got to be picky and choosy in this life. There's just fill your brain with only what you need to fill your brain with because you can't unsee it, unlearn it, unexperience it, you know, um, and it will impact you whether you like it or not. And so I was just like, you know, so I, I feel that there needs to be somewhat of an information fast for most of us. Um, do it, you know, for the things we can participate and do something about fine. If not step back, I was observing my, my cousin's kids, you know, who are in the eight to 13, you know, four, actually four to 13 year old range kind of thing. And they're all just like, I'm thinking these kids don't know anything about what's going on in the world at all. You know, right now they're sheltered. They'll eventually know, but right now they're happy. They're joyful. And I thought, 
Hmm. Maybe there's a lesson there. <laughs> maybe not all, you know, not entirely ignorant, but maybe there's a lesson. So I, what do you think about all this? Well, I think there is something about how the media is consumed and the way it's consumed, especially with news media and over the internet mm-hmm. in these bite sized chunks of terror. And they have like an effect on one's uh, stress hormones yeah. and do kind of a conditioning thing on you. Um, and they progressively increase anxiety and obsessive thoughts. I mean, in and of itself, I mean, it's, I mean, there's an exercise, you know, going back ages of people just being aware of their own mortality yeah. and the inevitability of their own death. I mean, like, be like, everyone wants to pretend that their sense of self is not going to end, but it's going to end for everybody. Yeah. Um, for you, for me, all the listeners. And then eventually the earth is going to end, right? It's going to sure. get swallowed up by the sun as a red giant. And even that is going to end, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the theoretical heat death of the universe. It's all going to end. Um, and those are some like really basic facts um, that for me, I find comfort- comforting actually rather than mm. alarming. Yeah. Because it brings the focus back to like, okay, well, here's this frame of this life I have, right? I just have this brief moment to be alive. And humanity really has a brief moment to be alive. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to use this brief moment um, blowing each other up, that seems like a pretty big waste. (laughs) I agree. Uh, Rather than harming. Yeah, I agree. No, it's, I mean, really, it's, it's, you're right. Life's too short to be angry all the time. And, and it's amazing. I, you know, another thing I was talking about is just the root of the issue. Why are people so angry right now? Yes, there is that small minority percentage of people who are, you know, full on sociopaths and, you know, they want to hurt people. And there's something, obviously something going on there. Most of the time people hurt people because they're hurting. They're, they're needing help. They're, yeah. There's a root issue going on there. And yet we just love to escalate things and, you know, beat each other up. But you're right. Life's too short for that. Why aren't we listening and coming around each other and offering, you know, hold on. Like I had on um, Garrett Wong, you know, Star Trek Voyager. He was on, he was talking about that. This is a famous, everybody's been talking about this ever since they listened to this episode of him with this horrible flight attendant coming after him and being really, really rude to him, mean to him and everything. And he was getting ready to go up and give her a piece of his mind. And then he finally stopped and was like, wait a minute. I should ask her what's wrong. And so he did. And she started talking about this horrible thing that was going on in her life. And she broke down crying. And all of a sudden it was like humanity right there, you know, and yeah. it, she, it wasn't personal against Garrett. It was, she was dealing with something and it was just that straw that broke the camel's back sort of thing. So it's like, how do we do that? So what's the solution? I, I mean, or what is a solution? Let's even go with that. I'm not even saying like the well, top solution, but go for maybe it. Maybe it's more. I'll talk about what's my solution. Perfect. You know, for me in my life, um, I found meditation uh, to be probably the number one thing that has helped. And then in various variations of meditation, but really coming back to one's body, really being in your body, really being in this moment and being in reality, right? Mm -hmm. Really being with other people. So much being here that the whole sense of self kind of dissolves or becomes a little bit more permeating, right? Yeah. So you can really open yourself to connect with others in a new way, um, in a way that isn't so needy, right? 
that you can actually be there and be charitable to others. Um, so if you're having an absolutely awful day, you know, you, you can start to recenter yourself. And this is not easy, right? I mean, I talk oh, yeah. to people on the crisis line and like have been told by therapists and coach, well, just meditate, right? Like yeah. it probably took me well over 10 years before really a profound sense of peace started to open up for me. Hmm. Um, and I've got to do it every day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that really has worked the most. And I think each person needs to find what works for them, what brings them out of this like virtual reality of obsessive thoughts and the thinking going, you did this to me and I can't forgive you and all these like really, oh, yeah, you know, hard framing us and them, you kind of people, you know, the the libs, the conservatives, the yeah. right, you know, but really <laughs> we're all people in this very brief life and we're all descended from the same genetic material. And that material goes all the way back to all of life. We mm-hmm. all come from the same freaking organism, yeah. right? And it's like we're the rhizome or the flower of you know, a whole collection of life with this one little individual life, yet we can't see it and we can't actualize it in our interactions with each other. Um, And it's so hard to get back to that like homecoming where you probably felt like that in the womb or felt that it like that as a little child, like looking out through the forest with the sunlight coming through these moments of just utter beauty and connection that we forget when we turn on Jeopardy or something or, you know, open up, um, I don't know, some, you know, inflammatory news site that just <laughs> makes us angry about the politics and those bad people. Yeah. For me, it's been a lot of music too. I mean, oh, that, that's healing yeah. for me, you know, I know it's not for everyone, but that's been a, a big deal. And for, you know, I'm I, having so much going on in the brain, you know, that's just my brain's always going, I'm always thinking I've got 10 songs running through my head at the same time, you know, so just being able to turn on a song, it's like I'm focused in on one thing, first of all, and in that yeah. moment, you know, which is great. It helps, you know, and and you're right. Um, the, and this is hard. So I, I had a, a friend of ours uh, talks about, you know, you got to take those thoughts captive, you know, and then like, you know, just smash <laughs> anyway. But he's like, but it's really hard to do that. And so sometimes it's, you know, you start off with the thought replacement. So it's that when you're getting ready to go down that path of like, you know, oh, I'm going to. I hate this person or whatever. You immediately have something to say, okay, what's that? Write down a list, by the way, of whatever it is, you know, like uh, I'm going to go play a video game for, for five minutes or I'm going to go listen to music or I'm going to go for a run or whatever it is that you enjoy doing, you know, that can kind of just switch your brain really quickly. Cause then it's amazing if you don't give so much attention to that thought, it, it's amazing how quickly it kind of goes away too. Yeah. Which is cool. I, there's this great saying that I love. It's called, um, with the mind, change the body to change the mind. Mm. Right? Like, fundamentally, the mind is just this flowering. Consciousness is just this flowering from the body, right? It comes yeah. out of this brain. You know, we don't need to be in this mind-body dualism like they're separate, yeah. right? I mean, People have this fantasy notion that we'll be able to upload our consciousness somewhere, you know, but our consciousness is also made up of our adrenal system, right? Like so much going on in the body that isn't just in the cranium. 
Yeah. Right. And it's like you start to move your body and the whole process of the mind changes. But what the mind can do is it can start the process of moving yeah. the body. Yeah. Right. Yep. And be it like, you're, I'm going to go play music. Maybe I'll just yeah. grab a drum and just yeah. be here with this rhythm. Yeah. Just be there in the moment. I find rather than like trying, I'm going to get these thoughts out. I'm strong enough. Right. It's more like giving them space and just letting them flow. Because so often if you're really upset about something or you're like obsessing about something, there's mm. some root in you that's like calling out for healing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you got to pay attention to that. And it's far better with gentleness than um, harshness. It's true. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got OCD tendencies. It kind of runs in the family, actually. So it's like trying to not worry about it. Uh, but you're right. And then, of course, many of us catastrophize, you know, so all of a sudden it's like you come up with the worst possible outcome, which most of the time never happens. Of course, that's always fun. Uh, but man, you just ran yourself all the way through it. You're ready to go to war over it. And it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, yeah. So I know part of it, you're just like, nope, nope. Just stop that thought right there. I'm, I'm working really hard on that. I'm just, you know, when you start to go down, it's like, just stop. Nope. I got to go do this. I'm not even going to give that thought any more attention. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do something else because it's, it's really, we don't know, you know, or like even with what's going on in the news, we are catastrophizing what may or may not happen. Most of us are saying, oh, this is going to happen right now. It's definitely going to happen. I'm like, are you sure? Do you actually know this? Well, no. Why are you worrying about it then right now? I mean, really, what, is there something you can do about it? You know, yes. Okay, then go do it. Or no, you know, I, so one of the things that just really inspired me, by the way, are you familiar with the company Hexagon by chance? It's it rings a bell, but I don't know much. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a little bit of crossover, you know, in your industry a little bit, but um, anyway, they had a wonderful conference and I had the privilege of interviewing, you know, over 25 people in two days, which was really fun by the way, but we did this in Vegas and almost every one of them came in with very, very important, even hot topics, you know? So there was, you know, there were topics like gender equity um, racial equity, sustainability, climate change, all that stuff. Right. And most of the time when you hear people get into those discussions, it's a lot of complaining. It's a lot of worrying. It's a lot of, you know, this is wrong. And all of the, here's all the problems, right? Every one of these conversations that I had for these interviews, it was so inspiring. It was so cool to see people saying, here's this, here's this problem. And here's our solution. And that's exactly what we're doing. And we're seeing change and we're seeing benefits and we're seeing things actually move forward in the right direction. And I was just like, okay, that is what we need to be doing. And if you can't, because there's just literally nothing you can do about it, then step back, stop worrying about it, go over there and do what you can. But at least that's my thought, right? Cause I, I love that. Take action if you can. Yeah. I mean, what is, you know, you can ask yourself at any moment, like what is in my life yeah. With this body and all the things that came up to this moment, right? The whole universe and all of creation from the Bing Bang leads to now, right? So what can I do in this moment, yeah. right? Maybe yeah. it's talk to my lonely neighbor and bring them tea. Yeah, yeah. The whole, how everything is linked to each other with causes, we have no idea. Yeah. But we kind of have a sense and intuition of like, What's the right thing to do, yeah. right? Yep. And really lean into that. 
And so often it's simple, right? And it is. It is. You know, I did an episode many years ago called uh, Do a Liz Thing. And it was actually about a woman who, you know, she lost her daughter and her, her daughter's name was Liz. I knew her, her daughter as well. And the whole thing was she was this wonderful, giving, beautiful person, you know, go be like Liz, do a Liz thing. And it turned into this movement. And so, sure. you know, a lot of people are thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't have the money to change the world or, you know, one of the big ones was uh, how do I rescue a girl out of sex slavery? Well, I've got to have a million dollars. Well, no, I mean, that is a big deal. But sometimes it's as simple as I'm buying the coffee for the person behind me because and and just want to bless their day. That's it. It's simple. Hold the door open for somebody and smile and ask them how they're doing, you know. So sometimes it is something massively huge, you know, and sometimes it is something that is seemingly insignificant, but it actually could be one of the most significant things you've ever imagined. You never know. Well, in this small little brain, we have no way of knowing, really. Yeah. But we do know that we can change the universe. Yeah. Right. By touching things right next to us. I mean, it's all part of the universe. Same with our body, right? You know, we are part of it as well. We are, we matter. So even doing positive things for yourself. Yeah. Right. You know, rather than falling into being worthless or totally thinking you're better than others, can you just be okay and normal? Right. Yeah. You know, compassionate to yourself, simple with others, you know, live by, gosh, dare I say, these old-fashioned kind of corny things like yeah. sincerity, Oh wow! Yeah. you know, um, kindness, mm-hmm. studiousness, right? Those very old-fashioned positive uh, principles, yeah. you know, yeah, um, they really change oneself when you can lean in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and another one that I've been trying to kind of, you know, get all of us to live more by too, is stop judging others. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a, it's an epidemic right now, how much we're judging each other and it's not healthy. And the truth is, is that I always like to say, go look in the mirror and how would you feel if you were judged publicly? Now you're not going to judge someone else anymore because you're going to understand what it feels like. What really helped me with that was seeing how much I judged myself. Oh yeah. And that's another, Oh yeah. Right. What a stern disciplinarian and judgmental voice I'd cultivated inside myself. Yeah. Right. And you know, you would apply that to others, right? Cause why, you know, if you can't get away with it, why would you let other people get away with it? Yeah. Um, you know, and then it hooks into with a very primitive responses like disgust mm-hmm. the, in people's minds, which is a very natural thing. But you have to disentangle your view yeah. of somebody's humanity yeah. from just just a like a survival reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's so much work to do there, you know, and um, but just starting at caring. You know, these basic things, it can open the door to like really work on these. Give us a couple steps or whatever that we can take to treat ourselves better and then also to be somehow a benefit, a blessing to others that are in. Well, everyone needs it regardless of whether you know it or not. Everybody needs it. So I'm just curious how what steps you would have for us to be 
better to ourselves and to others. Well, you know, as I mentioned before, sometimes we really think we are awesome. We are better than everyone else. We're killing it. We're doing it. Yeah. And we're totally inflated, right? We're driving our BMW at 120 miles an hour, you know, sipping down our coffee and we're on it. We're, we rule, we're on the pinnacle of life. Yeah. And then sometimes we're at the opposite or more often than not, we're oscillating between these where we're worthless. Nobody wants us. You know, no one loves us. We're all alone. You know, we're not even worth the oxygen we're breathing. We're a mm. total failure. Yeah. And we might as well die. Yeah. Right. And we, you know, these two states are really surprisingly related to each other. Mm. They're completely unrealistic and they're, you know, unrealistic views of ourselves and total lies. Yeah. But we, we go between them. A lot of people end up on the negative view pretty stuck because they feel anything positive is inflation. Hmm. But they're both complete lies that are in a form of self-abuse, really. And one thing we can do to be better to ourselves is when we find ourselves at one, we just go, okay, I'm not the best and I'm not the worst, hmm. right? This world has had amazing humanitarians and some of the most awful and horrific people that have yeah. done things far beyond what you can imagine to other human beings. Yeah. And you can honestly say to yourself, We're, I'm neither of these, right? Mm. I fall somewhere in the middle, right? And it's okay. And I, you know, I'm pretty ordinary, actually. Mm. I'm a pretty ordinary good person, and that's okay. And you'd be amazed at how hard it is to admit that. Yeah. So yeah. hard to admit. Yep. Um, so that's number one. Okay. Okay. I like Just it. Just admit you're yeah. ordinary. Um, number two is, you know, out of these old fashioned lists of values and principles, uh, you can find a ton of them like written in every major religion and you don't even need to look there. Just like can go to charity, um, forgiveness, love, sincerity, studiousness, mm -hmm. uh, tenderness, gentleness, well, choose one, Yeah, choose one and make it your God, so to speak, write it down on a piece of paper, put it in your pocket and carry it around with you for months. In fact, I think Benjamin Franklin did this, um, but it's not an original idea. Um, and I did this actually with a number of these values. And one, I, cho I remember choosing charity. I wrote it down, put it in my pocket and at first I approached it very naively, like every um, homeless person asking for money, I just didn't flinch and just pulled out the first bill out of my wallet and gave it to them, hmm. right? Trying to be unattached to it. Yeah. Well, very quickly I ran out of money before learning what uh, charity was. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, then it kind of evolved. I was like, okay, what is really connecting with this person being charitable? Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe a smile, maybe listening. Right. There, there's some intangible thing. Maybe it actually is money. Right. That's the most sure. But the moment is calling out for it. And as you go deeper and deeper to explore this with your action in your life, this um, what charity truly is and how it's connected to every other value. And in your life, it starts to there's this like you can't put it in words, but it takes you to this amazing like 
source of light. Um, and it helps, it really changes your life and others as you actively work on these things rather than just like, you know, if you've ever been to a soulless uh, mission statement and corporate values exercise, <laughs> right? This oh, is yeah. the opposite of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is you make it living and real. Yeah. Um, then it's not corny. Yeah, that's true. I love it. Elijah, thank you. This has been fun. I know we could keep chatting and, and I think we might have to have you back for a part two actually to, to chat more, but this was really cool. And, and I, I love nerding out on this stuff and, uh, but it's so important and it's so impactful and it's so necessary right now. So I'm glad we, I'm glad we kind of moved into this side of the conversation. Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, I hope everyone uh, finds a bit more harmony in their lives and it's great to talk with you, Brian. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. Oh man, that was fantastic. You know, it's interesting having a conversation. I had, you know, a couple of ideas of what I wanted to talk to Elijah about just knowing him a little bit, but I had no idea that conversation was going to move in the direction that it did. And interestingly enough, I actually didn't really guide that conversation in the way that I had originally planned. And yet somehow it covered every single one of the notes that I was going to talk about. Amazing. I love how that happens. This is why I love that hit record and see what happens Let's just let the conversation be natural. It was so much, so much fun. So Elijah Zupanchik, thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for joining us. I really hope this was encouraging. I really do. I hope it gave you some good information and maybe even some tips and tools to take with you and, and apply in your life and everything too. Love for you to subscribe to the show if you have not already. We've got our podcast. We've got the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to both, really. Uh, but of course, I'd love to hear from you too. So if you have any thoughts about this episode, any thoughts at all, I'd love to hear from you. If you're on YouTube, put them in the chat below. If you're on the podcast, join us on YouTube and, and throw some thoughts in the in the chat and everything else. And uh, of course, tons of stuff in the description, by the way, below. There's links. There's all kinds of other things. You can get in touch with me directly if you want. I'm happy to do that. But thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we are signing off.